Welcome, everybody, to Bridge Builders Communities Church Sermon Podcast. You are listening to one of our messages from our weekly gathering. We hope that you sit back and enjoy and be blessed. 2020 has been quite a year. Uh, started off uh, early in the year with the pandemic, uh, which there was a lot that went on because of that. And then uh, we had all the, the chaos and the confusion and the violence that went along with certain events and defund the police and all, all that, that stuff. And all in a year that is going to kind of end with an election, which is coming up very, very soon uh, next month. So when I was thinking about all of those things, historically, and what's going on, I said, well, what's our role in all of this? What, what are we supposed to be doing as Christians in this country uh, during this, this time? Because we are supposed to represent God's kingdom here on earth. And when Jesus came, of course, he brought God's kingdom, and he, the disciples had asked him at one point, uh, at one, one point, um, how to pray. And he gave an example, and he, the, the, the Our Father that we all know, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. And Jesus brought God's kingdom here, but he left. And he left behind the church, us. And we are representing God's kingdom on this earth. So how do we do that? How do we represent the kingdom? How do we bring the kingdom down to earth? So that's what I want to talk about. Let's pray a little bit, and then we'll get into some of the scriptures that might help us out with this. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've given us this opportunity to corporately meet. Thank you for the time of, of worship that we had, Lord, and uh, uh, just a wonderful time of, of experiencing your presence. And we pray, Lord, that as we uh, move on from here, Lord, that uh, you show us what things we need to uh, do What things are we responsible for that you have shown us to bring your kingdom into into this nation right now at this time that uh, so much uh, is going on? So many things, Lord, some things that obviously are not of you and how we're supposed to represent you, Lord. So, Lord, we pray that you show us some of those things anyway, Lord, during this time. In Jesus' name we pray. I was thinking of the song that you were singing, the second to the last one, not even if the sky is falling. feels like the sky is falling sometimes. Some of the things that have gone on, And some of the possibilities 
of the future of what you know can happen in our nation it sometimes you you want to look up and say is the sky falling you know but god's always there he's always in control you know which was a, it was a great lead in uh, worship song uh, for that i want to spend some time in a couple of different books that paul wrote uh, the book to the uh, the epistle to the thessalonians uh, and that is going to be if you're taking notes or going into into your bible uh, in first thessalonians chapter 5 i'm going to start in verse 16 but i'm going to be flipping back also to philippians uh, starting in chapter 4 verse 4 and also um, going to be into timothy and the book of james uh, kind of moving around in that as we go through. A lot of the scriptures in there uh, are things that God shows us how we're, what we're supposed to be doing. And let me say this in the beginning. These are not suggestions. Okay, These things that God is telling us to do, but I have to... In a sense, it's like a warning. It's not something that we just decide one day to do it, and then we do it. Because some of these things are very, very difficult. So let, let's just start off in First Thessalonians. Uh, again, you're going to be in chapter 5, verse 16. Two-word sentence there. Actually, there's a comma after it, so it's not the end of the sentence. Rejoice. Always. Now, I thought about that. How do you rejoice always? So I looked up the word. What, what, you know, what's the actual definition of that in, in uh, Scripture? And it says, to be cheerful, to be calmly happy. Okay, so... Sometimes when we hear the word rejoice, it's, you know, jumping, yeah, yeah, you know, and we're jumping up and down and, and, and real excited about something because we're rejoicing. And there's obviously nothing wrong with doing that, and it is part of, of being cheerful, be rejoicing. But this here is, is really saying to be calmly happy. And I think it's more of... There's an inner peace that God gives us that shows all over us that when people see us, they can see that we have, there's a cheerfulness about us. We're not negative. We're not downing things all the time. And that's real easy. That's a real easy habit to get into, to look at things in a negative way. I know that's that's gonna. It's never gonna happen that way. It's always you know. It's always this way. You know. You get that that type of attitude where things are kind of negative, and this is saying that we need to be just the opposite. And if we're to sh- to bring God's kingdom down on to the earth, we're supposed to be doing that, rejoicing always. Very very difficult. Let's look at the way Paul does it, or Paul says it in Philippians, in chapter 4, verse 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord 
always. So that's, we're rejoicing because of, of him. Because of God's presence in our life. That's what should bring that rejoicing. Again, the word is stressed. Always. Okay? Again, it's not something that we're just supposed to do once in a while or if we're in the mood or something great happens so we're happy, you know, and we're rejoicing. It's rejoicing always, no matter what happens. Okay? Even if we had a really lousy night's sleep and we wake up in the morning and we feel crummy, okay? What do we have to rejoice about in that? Just the fact that God's in it with us, that his presence is there, even though we don't feel well. Our car breaks down somewhere, you know, and we're stuck. Can we rejoice in that? Well, we're not going to jump for joy over it, but we can rejoice in the fact that God didn't abandon us there. The car maybe did, but God didn't. And that's where, that's where, that's the joy that has to come into that. Look at the next verse in that. It says, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Again, God's with us, okay? And there's a gentleness that that brings about to us because of that. All right. Let's, let's go back to, uh, first, uh, oh no, I have one more scripture that I want to share with you and that comes from the book of James and I know you're all familiar with this because this is one of those scriptures where you say, huh? It's chapter 1, verse 2, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, when we're having a trial, that's not necessarily a good feeling time thing, you know, that, that we're going through something that's really tough, that's really, um, you know, making us feel on the inside that's something that we don't want to really enjoy. But he is saying to count it all joy. And, and I think James, when he says that, he's saying it because he knows when we go through a trial and we get through to the other side, we grow. We grow spiritually. We grow in the Lord. We, it, it, it brings us to the dependency that we have on God. And that, that dependency on God, when we use that, it helps us to, to grow. That's the joy that we have. Again, that God is in it with us. Not that he's abandoning us to the trial, to the tribulation. Okay? Always says when we have trials and tribulations. Not if. When. Because we are going to have them. All right? And God knows that we're going to go through them. When Jesus was on this earth, he went through his trials and tribulations. So we're not going to be any different than that. It's just part of life that we're going to experience them. But we're supposed to count it all joy. We're supposed to rejoice. Those are the things that the unsaved will see in us. You know, somewhere along the line, they're going to see it, and they might ask about it. They might not. We don't know. But somewhere along the line, they might 
come to the Lord because of seeing, and I'm not talking about one person now or one event, but of seeing it over and over and over again in the Christian community. Okay, the next thing, we're going back to 1 Thessalonians, uh, now looking at verse 17. Another one that's very difficult. And sometimes when you think about it, it doesn't really make sense. Pray without ceasing. Okay? And if, if you look at Philippians, it says uh, in verse uh, 6, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. So this is it's another thing where, you know, how do we pray unceasingly? Unceasingly means it doesn't end. We, we don't finish. So when I was meditating on, on the word uh, praying and, and what it really means because there's so many different kinds or types of prayer or where, ways of praying. See, like right before uh, service tonight, a group of us met in the other room and we had some corporate prayer. All right, so we, we prayed together for this this service. So that's one type of prayer when you're with a, a group of people and you're praying together. There's another time where God tells us to go into the secret place. And we're praying on our own. Okay? And it's just between us and God. And we are definitely just focused talking to God. Okay? So that's two, two types. So the third type, I think, is when we are experiencing the presence of God in everything that we do. And on occasions where where people might think we're talking to ourselves, but we're really talking to him, you know, because God is living here in our hearts and we are, whatever we happen to be doing at the time, we can talk to God while we're doing it. There is certain times when we just give over to God whatever we're doing. And I, I can just think back to my career in teaching. When I was teaching 25 children, I know during, uh, you know, two, maybe two or three hours time in a row, I couldn't think much about God during that time. I had to focus on the children. Um, there are people that have written books about teachers and they say that uh, in, in any school day, you make something like 500 decisions with kids because there's so many kids asking you questions and you're responding and stuff like that. So it's very difficult at that time to even be thinking about praying to God. But you can make that time a prayer by when you're ready to start the day, your day at work, wherever it might be, this is for you, Lord. And every once in a while, if you need a little bit of help, it's, Lord, can you help me with this child or can you help me with this event or something like that. All of this, I think, makes the continual unceasing prayer that we're talking about here. Okay? So it becomes an, an, an attitude of your heart, but it's also something that needs to be practiced 
I don't think any of us, and especially if we've never tried before, any of us could say, I'm going to try that tomorrow. And you'll probably find at the end of the day that, gee, I failed at 8 o'clock in the morning, I failed at noon, I failed at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, because it's, it's, it's a type of thing that we need to practice and practice and practice giving our hearts to God. And I think it becomes, uh, after a while, uh, a good habit that we're, you know, we have, we have a free moment in between two things that we're doing. Uh, maybe we're on our way on a bathroom break or something like that. And we just automatically, our minds go back to, gee, Lord, how am I doing with this? And, and or, or could you help me with this one thing? Those are things that can help us to get to the point where we have the unceasing prayer. Rather than, I spent an hour with God this morning, and I'm going to spend another hour with him in the evening, and I don't really think much about him in between. Because then, then we're not doing the unceasing prayer. There's nothing wrong with those two prayer times. That's great. But to leave a space of, let's say, 10 hours in the middle of the day where you don't think about God at all, that's not unceasing prayer. And that's why I said this is not really a suggestion. This is something that God really wants us to get in the habit of doing. But it takes. Also, when we wake up in the morning, you know, just to say, thank God I had a good night's sleep. Or, thank God um, I'm able to get out of bed. Uh, you know, I, my legs work. My hands work. Uh, the sun's coming up. You know, the dawn is approaching. All of these things that um, we can continually take for granted. But uh, now, if we're thinking in terms of Thanksgiving, those are things that might be on on our lips very, very frequently. Okay, let's uh, back to uh, Philippians. And I, I just want to go down to uh, uh, verse 8. It says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So these are, these are great things that practices to have. Well, let's go down to verse 11. And it says, not that I speak in regard to need, because he was talking about praying for your needs. For I have learned in whatever state I am to be content and this is another responsibility that we have, to be content no matter what. Paul gives us the example. He says, I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. So it's no matter what, he's content because Whatever he has, this is what God has supplied. If he's hungry, he's thanking God in that. He's content in that. He's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a peace that he has. If he's full, praise God. You know, I had enough food to eat. That's uh, another, another great thing. Okay? And then he moves on to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
I want to move into the book of Timothy for a little while. Timothy chapter 2. Again, we're talking about responsibilities. So we don't have a king in America, but we do have leaders in America. So when in Timothy it says kings, we're referring to leaders in, 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 a, in our country here. And all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. It's godly authorities that bring us uh, that peace that we're that he's referring to here, the peaceable life in godliness in reverence, all right? In order to have that, we need to have leaders that are godly people. And we have to remember that if Christians do not vote, then the people who vote will probably be ungodly people who will elect ungodly leaders. If we look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, where we just read, and we see that it's really important in order to lead quiet and peaceable lives to have um, people uh, in authority that are godly people, uh, it would be important for us to vote for that reason. So it, it is important as Christians that we are, are able to, that not we're able to, of course we're able to, but if we get out to vote or, or vote by mail or whatever else they, they're doing um, the, these days, ways of voting, it would be important uh, for us to be able to do that and to encourage other Christians to do that. I know in the last election... They said that um, 75% of Christians did not go and vote. That was a pretty high number. And you'd think of the effect that that can have on, on who the leaders are. Now, a lot of times, people, um, we, when we're looking at candidates, uh, sometimes we're looking for a candidate who would fit all the qualifications of a pastor. Okay? And the Bible does not indicate that our leaders have to be pastoral. They don't have to have those same qualifications. And a lot of times, it's not necessarily a person that we're voting for as much as it is the values that that either that person or that particular party has. It's good to look for when you're voting to vote at, for people or parties that have biblical values, that have um, kingdom values, because we're talking about bringing God's kingdom down on, onto the earth. 
And some of the kingdom values that you might look at, because we're not going to talk about people or political parties here, but these are some things that we can look at. What are their, um, what do they think about life as far as um, uh, abortion and different things like that? What do they think about marriage and, you know, the biblical idea of marriage, which a man and a woman? Uh, what do they believe about the family value and, and you know, father and mother and children within a family and, and how do they consider those things? And even as much as um, foreign affairs like uh, the nation of Israel, God tells us that uh, those who uh, bless Israel are blessed and those who curse Israel are cursed. And what does, does that mean as far as political parties are concerned? So those just very quickly are things that we can be looking at uh, in next month when we when we do uh, go go to uh, to vote. I have a prayer that this is a prayer that Derek Prince wrote. Um, actually, wrote it back in 1980, just before. Uh, the election at that time. And I'd like to pray that prayer. I'm not going to read the whole thing. It, it, was, it was quite lengthy. But I want to go through some of it and then just kind of close it out with, with my own. But just encouraging you that uh, as we go on to um, take it as a, as a Christian duty and as even more so than a civic duty, to vote and to vote biblical values. So this says, Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus, redeemed by his blood, committed to serve and follow him. We come to you as your believing people, your representatives in this earth, the agents of your government in the earth. We lift up to you this nation of ours, the United States. We thank you for the many centuries of special grace and mercy that you have granted to this nation. We thank you for the godly seeds that have been sown over the centuries by men of faith who have followed in your footsteps, labored, sacrificed, prayed, and given for your kingdom. Lord, we desire that these godly seeds shall develop into a harvest that shall be reaped for your purposes. We ask you to extend your grace and mercy to this nation. We ask you to send a mighty visitation of the Holy Spirit that will overthrow the strongholds of Satan and uplift and glorify the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask you for a mighty flood tide of spiritual revival that will sweep across this nation, casting down everything that opposes itself against the knowledge of God. And we commit to you now specifically the forthcoming election and all of the political processes involved. We take our stand in Jesus' name against every satanic principality and power that would seek to exercise control in these elections. We break their power. We release the elective and governmental processes from their control, and we put them in your hands, Lord. We pray that you will guide 
and overrule. That you will raise up the men and women of your choice. Put down those who will oppose and stand against your purposes. And bring your purposes to fulfillment in this nation. Lord, we do believe that you have a special destiny for the United States. And we pray that nothing that Satan will do will be able to hinder that destiny. And Lord, we also pray for our, our relationship with the nation of Israel. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem, for protection of Israel from her enemies, and for security, Lord, within her citadels. And Lord, we pray that uh, we will be able to see spiritually all the battles that are going on in the heavenlies over this nation. That we will recognize the many of the battles that are going here in this nation, that they are spiritual battles. And we pray that your will and purposes will be accomplished in all of this. In Jesus' name.